Schofield and Company, live on the road. Back here, Cofield and Company on this Monday. No Steve Cofield. He is in, I was going to say where he was, he's on vacation. I don't think we need to give away where he went on vacation. I'm sure you can find his photos up on Instagram. He's having a great time. Uh, leaving us in charge, which is always a mistake. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez down here at Twin Peaks, your spot for Monday Night Football. Get on down here for Ravens and Colts. And we're celebrating. We're celebrating? Sure. What are we celebrating? National Kraken Day. Today, That's what it is? It is. The birth of the Seattle Kraken tomorrow. They are, well, it's not really their birth, but their first ever game here at T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night. So much. We talked about how crazy this weekend was in sports in Vegas. It continues tomorrow. Yeah. Golden Knights and Kraken, uh, obviously you can hear that over on our sister station, and we'll have plenty of preview of that tomorrow on the program. But right now we want to get uh, to our friend Andrew Brandt, uh, Executive Director at the Morad Center at Villanova, columnist for SI, a insider for the business, longtime executive in the NFL. So much to get into today. Mr. Brandt, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Good to be with you guys. Well, thank you. We, uh, we want to start. There's a lot we want to get into in the world of football, but... Uh, wanted to start with what we've been talking about all day and we'll probably be talking about for the next week, uh, the John Gruden situation here in um, <laughs> with the Raiders in Las Vegas. There, there's a lot of layers to this, and I think a lot of people wanted to see how the team played yesterday, uh, and they had a bad performance. And I, I think it's tough to, to correlate and say, well, they played bad because they were all distracted. But that is the narrative coming out of that. You've been around organizations and around teams when they're going through things like this. Does it make it tough on the players? Yeah, it's a good question. I was answering a lot of this question after week one about my old friend Aaron Rodgers. Now <laughs> yeah. the, the Packers look so bad after week one. Obviously, they've righted the ship there. But, you know, I think distractions are an issue in the week. So distractions are an issue when, when you're doing media, when you're hearing it from the outside, when you're around the team from Tuesday through Saturday. I have a hard time making it something during the game. It doesn't say it doesn't affect preparation. But you're when you're a third and seven backed up on your ten yard line, you're not thinking about an email from John Gruden. Right. You know, so I, I think some of that is on and some of it is really off. It doesn't affect the game performance, but it can affect general preparation where just think about you and your life, everyone listening, you know, you're at your best where you're focused with a clear mind. And sometimes that's hard with these kind of things. Andrew, your tweet regarding this um, uh-huh. is 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 very intriguing because that is exactly what a lot of people are insinuating in, in, in terms of someone whose future is being voted that day. Someone in the NFL really wanted him to keep his job. Um, it, it is very strange and it is very odd that um, an email – that has nothing to do with the team that was being investigated was leaked to a to an entity that isn't necessarily a sports publication, and um, you know we've heard nothing. And it, my question on top of that also is how long has this investigation been going, and how long has the NFL actually known about this email? Because I tend to think that it's been much longer than this past week. Um, your thoughts, yeah, just because i just seen your tweet. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack, and even I don't know, as the expert, what exactly is going on here. My understanding is this 
email came out of a trove, I don't know what a better word is, a voluminous trove of emails, documents, texts, letters, communications, relating somehow to the Washington football team in ongoing litigation about Dan Snyder and and a sexual harassment and hostile workplace and those kinds of issues. So you can understand how this seems a little bit out of place, where an email from a person who's an ESPN commentator at the time on in 2011, okay, <laughs> who wasn't going to be an NFL coach for six more years or five more years, somehow becomes out there on the day that the person to whom the email is about, derogatory and racist as it certainly is, was being voted on in jeopardy of keeping his job. So you put all that together, you're like, whoa, (laughs) like, what's the agenda here? But so I guess my point is, there's clearly an agenda, and it's not a coincidence. But the mystery is, whose agenda? Yeah. Is Is it the NFLPA's agenda? Is it Daniel Snyder's group agenda to keep the focus off of him and the, and the Washington team? Is it the NFL's agenda to make sure DeMaury Smith keeps his job because we like dealing with him in case someone a bit tougher would take that job? Um, so it's really an interesting coincidence, which, of course, is not a coincidence at all. It, it's crazy. And to, to, to go one step further on that, you know, John Gruden then went to ESPN – and said, hey, they've turned over other emails too. And in it, I called Roger Goodell a, a blankety blank. We don't know what the term is yet. I am oddly very fascinated to find out what exactly that term is. Uh, but there is more coming. Like, h- how bad would these have to be? Obviously, you know, we, we don't know that there's anything else racist. It sounds like it's more derogatory terms about other owners and uh, Commissioner Goodell. Like, how bad could this be to to make things worse for him in terms of you know, having to deal with the rest of the league. Well, I'll say this about John. I was working with him then. I was at ESPN covering these collective bargaining negotiations and covering the lockout at that time. And I know John, like, but John was like everyone else around the country. <laughs> like, Andrew, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> we, want, we want football. Like, what is this? at BS all about, and blaming both sides, right? Blaming Goodell's side and blaming Smith's side to the fact that we don't have football. That whole February through August, then, of course, we got a deal as they were going into training camp, and it was all hurried, and we got in, and no one missed the game, etc. But, yes, in terms of what's, what's out there from John, I don't think it's going to be worse than that. I mean, <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of standard stuff. But again, as you raised the point with me earlier, who knows how many emails are out there from John Gruden and other coaches and owners, maybe thousands. Thousands. And we're seeing one ten years later (laughs) on the day the guy has a vote. It's crazy, for sure, and so much more uh, that's going to come out. Andrew Brandt joins us. You can follow him up on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt, uh, B-R-A-N-D-T. I just saw this, this tweet, and I don't I don't even know the question off of this. I'm just going to read something that happened yesterday as we as we move into actual football. Yesterday was 
the longest day in the NFL in the last 50 years, 15 yeah. hours and one minute from London kickoff to the end of Sunday Night Football. I, for one, love it, but I know I'm not the target audience because I'll watch anything. I think they want you know reg- regular people to be able to watch all their games, and uh, that's tough. A 15-hour ask is pretty tough, but 702 points, 10,512 yards, 80 touchdowns, 11 missed field goals, 11 missed PATs, five games decided in the final three minutes of regulation or in overtime. It was just an unbelievable day. We saw history, the Browns' first team ever to score 40 points, not turn the ball over, and lose. Like, the yeah. NFL is awesome right now. I, I'm loving it. <laughs> well, I am too, but I got to tell you, I'm too into other things in life now that I left the league <laughs> to give them 15 hours of yeah. my time. Yeah. Um, but I gave them a lot of time yesterday, just not not the London time. Yeah, it was great stuff. And, and everyone asked me, you know, over these years, is, is the NFL, is it suffering any decline? And what about Kaepernick? What about concussions? What about this? What about that? What about John Gruden's email? <laughs> no. No, nothing. No. I can't, I can't think of anything. I cannot think of anything. And that's a strong statement that would knock the NFL off its perch. I just, I don't know quite what it is because... You know, yes, it's a beautiful, it's well choreographed for TV and it's pageantry and all that, but other sports have that too. I just think, you know, I've lived in Europe. Soccer is so ingrained there. It's just ingrained in us. And now it's all set, right? They have 10-year deals with labor, the players, and they have 10-year deals with media for like $100 billion. So all's looking great for, for these owners. Uh, and another subject, and because I've seen you tweet about it, and I know you're in Philly, I want to get that, that take on uh, the Ben Simmons situation. You've been on both sides. You've been on the, the media side, yeah. but you've been on the organizational side. Can they fix this? They can. They can actually make this work. Well, to those not following, Ben Simmons of the Sixers said a month ago, "I'm not coming back because yeah, he, right. you know, wants out." But the Sixers and Daryl Moore did the right thing. They said, "All right." You've got eight million due on October one. We're going to hold that. Huh. <laughs> you know, I like. I'm. I'm a former management guy. I'm like brilliant, just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Because you follow the money. To follow the money. If Ben Simmons wants to stay out and lose eight million dollars, okay. But all of a sudden we hear he's coming back. Yeah, of course he's coming back. That's eight million dollars he's got. Now the question becomes whether Ben Simmons will be one of those hold-ins, like, you know, being unhappy until he gets traded. I think of Jalen Ramsey in the NFL when he was with Jacksonville and a couple other guys. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I wonder, like, well, I was was trying to think of any scenario in my head possible. Like, even if he's vaccinated, could he just be like, I'm not vaccinated? Uh, You don't want me around? (laughs) You don't want me around for that? And just pull something like that? I don't know. I don't know what he could do. And, Listen, some of the comments that came out already, it seems very difficult. But, I mean, you're right. You look back and you mentioned Aaron Rodgers earlier. Like, that seemed unfixable from the outside. And yeah. they're they're just fine now. Yeah, and Sixers are a good team. And if they win, I mean, he's never going to be a shooter. So, you know, he's a good player with his defense and everything else. So, as soon as he makes some plays and has some dunks, all will be forgiven. But, on the other hand, I think the Sixers know that There'll be injuries. There'll be teams desperate that aren't desperate now and making a great make them a great offer in November, December, January. 
Always love hearing your insight on things. And I uh, just saw a tweet about an hour ago uh, that you have some, some great stuff coming up on Twitch. What do you got working? Yeah, uh, the NFL and Amazon hired me to work Thursday night football on a company owned by Amazon. I'm sure, hopefully, everyone knows about <laughs> called Twitch. Sure. And so what I do is I stream now. I just started. Uh, so I'll str- I'm on Thursday night football. And I'm giving you my commentary, my just like you heard me the last ten minutes, doing it on Thursday night football as the game goes on, on Twitch. So I'm an Andrew Brandt live there. And uh, and last thing, I have this newsletter out now. I hope people are are are, are getting it. It's free, weekly newsletter. Just go to andrew-brandt.com and sign up with your email. Free to your inbox. So Andrew, I got to ask you during yeah. the Thursday night Twitch. I would have to say that you're much better than the Manning brothers on Monday night in their commentary, right? Probably don't get the rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, don't start don't start live streaming yourself playing video games. It, that's it's, yeah. it's gotten out of control. But Twitch is awesome. We love and and I think that's the that's the rap the rap that Twitch gets is oh it's just a bunch of kids playing video games. Like no, there's a lot of very very cool uses uh, for that stuff. And there's there's a lot of stuff we do some stuff on Twitch that's great too. Uh, That's but awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm a new user, and uh, many people who can just follow me on Andrew Brandt Live, and I'll try to do some twitching, if that's the right word. Sure. Uh, even before Thursday night to get you get wet the appetite a little bit. There we go. We'll make it the word. Uh, Andrew Brandt will be twitching on uh, Thursdays and other times. <laughs> make sure you check that out, uh, Andrew Brandt Live. We appreciate it, sir, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank, thank you. And uh, follow him up on Twitter as well, at Andrew Brandt. Always great insights from him uh we talked a lot about the raiders but not necessarily that much about what they were doing uh out on the field yesterday we'll get into that and more maybe our good friend paul Gutierrez. i see him here maybe he'll stop by in a little bit as well uh get his insights on what is going on uh around the raiders and john gruden as we continue from twin peaks on eastern on a monday join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas let's go the football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. It is that time. We're getting ready for football. We'll talk about football. So much action going on on the field. We talked a lot about off the field. We'll get into how the Raiders played a little bit later on, but let's get into some goings-on around the league with the football frenzy. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals, 5-0, and the only undefeated team in the NFL. Very impressive for, for the Cardinals so far. Not the most dynamic game yesterday for Arizona, but they get by, uh, survive against San Francisco and Trey Lance. Um, is this team for real? Are they the best team in football? Well, record-wise, right now, I believe that they are. I mean, this—they're—they're—they're they're, they're playing well. They're playing on great on both sides of the ball. The—they—they um, they not only beat, but they dominated a team that every a, a lot of people had penciled in to get to the Super Bowl from the NFC side a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I have to, you know, I have to say that through five weeks, um. They have looked like the best team in football because they're backing up their play. They're not, you know, don't get mad, local fans, but I'm about to 
you know, throw the Raiders under the bus, but they don't look like the Raiders and Broncos the first three weeks when they were undefeated and they were sneaking by, getting, you know, timely plays here or there. Denver, it was against a, a sketchy schedule, and that's caught up with them. Arizona is getting it done on both sides of the ball, and they're playing cohesive. And like I said, uh, the win against the Rams, I mean, that was definitely an impressive win. So uh, right now, are they overall the best team in football? Remains to be seen. Through the first five weeks, they've certainly played like the best team in the NFL. Yeah, and uh, I I would say that they're not. I have a couple teams that I'll pick over them and be favored over them. But um, as you said, record is the record, and they're undefeated, last undefeated team. I don't think anybody is uh, rushing out to make a prop bet that they're going to go undefeated or anything like that. I'm sure it's somewhere out there in far away uh, spots, even right here in town. But I just don't think anybody's going to be uh, lining up to bet the yes on that one. But they are a legitimately good team. Obviously, Kyler Murray, uh, you know, yesterday got by without running the ball. We'll see if there's a, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe they're trying to protect him a little bit uh, from some injuries and um, see how they can uh, get through the rest of the year and navigate a very, very difficult division and the rest of their schedule. But for right now, 5-0. and oh, So it uh, looks like they are playing pretty well. Ah, look at that. Wonderful timing. Um, Denver is coming up on the schedule for the Raiders. Uh, they are in the same situation. Started off the season 3-0, and lost the last two, trying to avoid a three-game losing streak. Um, where is your assessment of this team? We'll have a lot of time later on in the week to break down the matchup, but where's your assessment of the Broncos team right now? Well, the Bron- I was, I last week I was really, from a betting standpoint, in love with the Baltimore Ravens. I said numerous times that I thought that the Ravens were going to expose the Broncos based off the the way that the Broncos opened up their season, going three and zero. Okay, they beat the Giants, they beat the Jaguars, they shut out the Jets. Now, they lost to the Ravens, which have been an entirely different team than what we saw in person at Allegiant on opening Monday. Um, they lost 23-7. to They go to Pittsburgh, and they lost 27-19. to um, Defensively, this team has shown its colors, you know, against better competition. Now, I am not sold that the Broncos are better than what they've been the last two weeks. Um, I think that they're obviously somewhere in between based off the how they performed against the, some cellar dwellers. But I do think that the Raiders have a knack for making bad teams look good. And I think that the Broncos obviously are catching the Raiders at an opportune time considering everything that's going on with the Raiders, on the field and off the field. And um, I, I just think that we're going to see – I think we're going to see the true Denver Broncos this week because it's a rivalry game. The Raiders are are, are, are a decent team. They're not a great team, but they they're collectively have some talent, which we've seen. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to pull off some of the wins that they did. Um so they're, they're, they're somewhat in the middle there, like Denver. I think we're finally going to see what Denver is about this week. I think, and we'll see what the Raiders are about this week. Well, I, yeah, I think, that they, I, I, I think the Broncos are going to swat the yeah. Raiders back to Vegas. Uh, we, we will see how 
uh, that game plays out. And again, plenty of time to break that one down as the week goes on. Just got to pause and we hear crunching pad sounds. It's perfect. Uh, the I'm trying to I'm trying to we're going to get into this game later on. Um, there is I guess somebody wants to gloat. We'll find out uh, later on today. I don't even want I don't even want to put it out there yet. Um, somebody wants to gloat about the game last night. All right. It's Carlin Hartman from UNLV. Uh, big Bills fan wants to talk about Bills Chiefs. Uh, but I think the oh, yeah. the narrative coming out of the game was that the torch has been proverbially proverbially passed yes. in the AFC. I must be mistaken. Um, I I I checked my calendar and I I checked. I thought it was a regular season. I, I actually was not aware that they played a playoff game last night. So it kind of crazy yeah. caught me off guard. That was weird. Yeah. But apparently they played the playoff game last night and the torch has been passed. Yeah, that, I've seen the same narrative in week five, no less, that the torch has been passed because it was a rematch of the AFC title and the Bills beat the Chiefs. My question is, while everybody is on that narrative, why are you passing the torch to the Bills? The torch may have been if, – if the torch has been passed, I don't necessarily – I'm not buying into just because the Bills beat the Chiefs that the, the AFC torch has been passed to the Bills – and until the Chiefs are eliminated completely, they're still the two-time defending AFC champs. Right. So they haven't passed the torch. And the Chiefs are going through, I think, what we see. And I thought the Chiefs might be immune to it. They're not. Every single year, go back and look, what happens to the team that loses the Super Bowl? There's that, that weird hangover of we worked all season to get to that spot and lost, and the next year they struggle. It happens every single year. I think there's more there for the Chiefs. I think the, the concerns about the offensive line are real. The concerns about the defense are very, very real. You know, the defense is giving up uh, seven yards per play. Only one offense in the history of the, football, of the NFL has ever gained seven yards per play, and that was the Rams' greatest show on turf team. So basically, uh, as, as I heard a, a fantasy analyst say, every single team is the greatest offense of all time against the Chiefs this year, which is crazy to think about, but it's true. Their defense is that bad. So I expect major changes to be made. I don't know how many you know, acquisitions they can make, but I think they'll, they'll probably move on from Spagnuolo at some point, uh, change strategies, probably get Sorensen out of coverage as much. Like Think about what the Raiders did. They changed their defense. One of the big changes of the defense was Jonathan Abram doesn't have to cover anybody anymore. Yeah, He can play a different role. Maybe right. you do that, uh, not that same exact role, but you find a different role for Sorensen if he has to be out on the field, uh, which hopefully he just doesn't have to be on the field. But um, – yeah, I, I think that there's things that can be cleaned up. And until the playoffs, nobody's passing the torch from the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still the, you know, the top, they're not the best team right now, but they are still the, the, the torch bearer, the standard bearer in the AFC. Um, but as we said, the Bills were very good this season, except for their quarterback. Yesterday, their quarterback was good, mm-hmm. really good, and actually still barely 50% completions. But he, he played a really good game, a very dynamic game on offense. If their quarterback is playing at that level with the way the rest of the team is playing, number one defense in the league, easiest schedule in the league after after yesterday now, um, that's a very, very dangerous team. They should be playing at home. And if, if they don't have home field advantage in the AFC, something went terribly wrong because they basically play Jacksonville every week from now on. Um, so, yeah, the, that, that's a team that people should be fearful of right now, but easy 
on passing the torch. We'll get into that a lot more uh, with Carlin later on uh, in the program. But uh, we do have other things to get to, other things to talk about. We want to recap yesterday's Bears game, get the Bears perspective of things uh, on the other side. We'll return from Twin Peaks on Eastern, uh, just south of the, of the 215 exit uh, down here in Henderson. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. Dixon back to punt. It's blocked. He's trying to get it back. What's he going to do now? Looks like he's going to kick it again. He did kick it again, Pat. Sure did. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Have you ever seen that, Pat? I just did. But is it legal? We're about to find out. That's a double punt right there. And speaking of doubles, coming up later tonight, a special double episode of Murder. She wrote, except on the West Coast. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Back here, Twin Peaks, Henderson, getting you ready. For the game tonight, Ravens and Colts should be a good one. Should be, I, I think the Ravens win the game, but I, I keep waiting for the Colts to show us something, and we'll see uh, if that happens tonight. Um, we'll find out, and we can do it here at Twin Peaks with all the fans here hanging out. It was a great time last week. Hopefully uh, you guys come down here and do it again this week. Uh, but we do want to look back at the game yesterday. Uh, with the with the Bears and the Raiders, uh, the game was in Chicago, I believe. Oh, we're going to talk football. Yeah. We're going to talk Raiders football. Actual football we're going to get into. Uh, after an hour and a half of email discussions, we'll get into uh, actual football from yesterday. Uh, the game was in Chicago. It seemed like it was in Allegiant Stadium, but I feel like it was in Chicago based on the sounds that we heard inside that stadium yesterday. And we'll go to Chicago host uh and on nbc sports in chicago bears pre and post on 670 the score as well uh you can follow him up on twitter at patrick manley is that right patrick i'm sorry that is it i got that is it. it okay our our producer he might be the worst ever uh at pronunciations and things like that and <laughs> oh he, trust me i've been called worse man i've been manelli um yeah all sorts of things but it's manley no worries yeah. man i've been called i've been called a lot worse the other thing was as a kid i was always man Manelli until like I made a play or something and they're like wait that's that's not your name I'm like no that's not my, that's not my name but we're all good perfect perfect so uh yeah I, I got it as you as a radio guy you understand being things being shouted in your ear down the line and you're like I, I think it's right yeah I got it uh yeah. I guess first impressions of the actual game yesterday as you got to watch uh the fans really make a difference on the road yeah well, I'll start with that. I guess people were saying here in Chicago it was a tough ticket to get. And I'm not talking a ticket in the stadium. I'm talking a flight out there to be there for the game. Yeah. That all the flights from Chicago getting to Vegas were tough to get. That it was uh, people were scrambling late if they got a ticket late to get out there to make sure they could see the game. But I know this that Matt Nagy and a lot of the players talked about it today here on uh, you know the post game, the Monday stuff when they talked that they, they really appreciate it. And I tell you what, man, we're, we're lucky here in Chicago. The Bears fans travel. Uh, amazingly, I'll just give you a real quick story. Uh, I think it was either the first or second year. It was the first time we went down and played in Jerry World, Jerry Jones's place in Cowboy Stadium. And we start beating them in the third quarter. And next thing you hear is, let's go, Bears. They start doing that chant. 
And all we were saying on the sideline is like, Jerry Jones has got to be ticked off right now. <laughs> he yeah. built a billion dollar stadium and Chicago came down here and is beating you pretty good and, and doing their chant. But, uh, you know, the, the Bears fans do travel well. And when you're winning, they travel even better. I, I, it's nobody's fault. Uh, I just noticed a weird moment yesterday where uh, Jonathan Hankins of the Raiders was down being attended to by the athletic trainers. And the Bears fans started the Let's Go Bears chant. And then the Raiders fans tried to start booing to drown them out. And I was like, okay, there's a guy in the field right Like, right. This is not the time. Sound right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's like not it. the time. But um, speaking of Jonathan Hankins being hurt, I think that, that, that hurt the game quite a bit. You know, the, going into the pregame show, I have to do a three-hour pregame show here with Olin Krutz and Mike Mulligan, and we were talking about, you know, the matchups in this game. And we knew the issues with the Raiders. We knew the row line. We knew Alex Leatherwood was being moved. We knew they had a bunch of guys, you know, missing with Hudson and Good and Incognito moving on, or Incognito still there, but hurt. So we knew that was a weakness. But here in Chicago, I think everybody's heard the name Akeem Hicks, and that was shown on the highlight before the game that we were going to be without Akeem Hicks and our stud running back, uh, David Montgomery. I thought that was going to be the difference in the game, that not having Akeem Hicks and moving Alex Leatherwood inside, you guys would be able to run the ball a little bit better. But uh, fortunately for us in Chicago, you guys couldn't. And I think our guys up front stepped up with a keen out and pretty much dominated the game. I think you saw Khalil Mack have another great game. Uh, he has a you know, so-called revenge game or whatever. But just all across the board up front, I thought those guys handled that O-line out there in Las Vegas. And that just it doesn't look good for the future right now for the Raiders with, with who they've got going in there. No, it doesn't. Uh, you you got to block somebody at some point. And, yeah. yeah. You know, people are getting on us a little bit because we were trashing the offensive line when they were three and zero, and it was like, oh, they're three and zero. Why are you nitpicking? Well, at some point, it's going to haunt you if you can't block anybody, and uh, that team is learning it very quickly. Uh, you kind of answered it there with the defensive line was dominant yesterday. I think that's absolutely true mm-hmm. against a bad uh, Vegas offensive line. But you know, I I covered the team. I was there yesterday writing stories, and oftentimes you don't you kind of lose the force through the trees a little bit when you're covering the game. So I went back and watched last night. I don't. I still don't know how the Bears won the game. They they couldn't do much offensively. I mean, obviously the Raiders right. did nothing. But it's not like they just won. They came in and, and dominated a game where they really couldn't move the ball. Yeah, they, they dominated two lines of scrimmage, but the ball didn't move a whole bunch. Does that make sense? Yeah. But here's the thing. Like I, I went back this morning. I do my notes in the morning that – Offensively, the Bears, I think, had a 16-play drive, but they were helped by the Raiders with three penalties. Yeah. So that gives us seven points. And they, they didn't move the ball. The Raiders move, helped the Bears move the ball. And then the other thing is, as offensively for you guys, you kept dropping passes. There was so much more yardage that could have potentially been out there that, that that changes the game. And then you have a holding call and a touchdown run that gets called back and you only get three points there. So when you go back and look at this thing kind of with a fine-tooth comb, it really wasn't that pretty of a game. But sitting here in Chicago where I am, it looked pretty because we won and we uh, only gave up nine points. But there's still a lot of mistakes that can be fixed for both teams. And it just wasn't as pretty or as, as efficient as you want to see an NFL game run. Patrick, um, I had a chance to uh, cover Justin Fields very briefly in a seven-on-seven seven when he was still in high school. Remember <laughs> when he went to Elite 11 and yep. won that competition up in Beaverton, Oregon at the Nike campus? Um much of the talk leading up to this game, the first few weeks on a couple of shows that I've done, was will we see Fields as the starter? Will he be named the starter by that time? Right. I had said yes. Yesterday, he really gutted it out with you know uh, a, what could have been a damaging hyperextension of his left knee. He got the wind knocked out of him. 
What's been your assessment? What's been the take? Well, how's the city responded? Um, I mean, because we're talking about a very sports-rich city and, you know, someone stepping in to be the face of the franchise and to be the quarterback. But, you know, I've seen and known the toughness of Justin Fields for a long time. What was your, what's was your? what been your take and then in yesterday's performance and sort of just gutting it out in a physical yeah. game? Yeah, I mean, it all started on draft day when we were able to trade up and get them. The city went crazy. I mean, the the history of quarterback player in Chicago was pretty bad. You, you, you The best name out there is Sid Luckman, and that's an old man. <laughs> you know, that's a long time ago Then he was kind of the best quarterback the Bears have had in their long history. So when they were able to trade up and get them, everybody was excited. Then we kept hearing about mini camps and off-season workouts how special he was. I think everybody saw his college highlight film, but you don't know if that can translate over to the pros. But then you hear the word once he gets in there, the practices are great, his mentality, the way the guys respond to him, uh, the way he works with guys. So you kept hearing that all during the preseason. Then finally camp, camp was open a little bit, so media gets to go watch him. You finally get to see that arm in person with NFL personnel, with NFL receivers, and you're like, oh, man, okay, this guy's all right. Then he goes into the preseason, guys, and tears it up. Plays great. He makes the game look slow. I actually went to the first preseason game here in Chicago, and yes, he's going. Yes, he's going against the twos and threes. But I'm like, man, he's the best athlete on the field by far, and he's making everybody else kind of look slow around him. And that, to me, says a lot about a young man being able to come into the NFL and, and do that against other professional athletes. Well, then he doesn't start game one. Everybody in Chicago wants him to start game one. I'm, I was begging for him. A bunch of us are. I'm a big believer. You know, we haven't had a quarterback. He potentially could be the franchise quarterback, and I think we're starting to see that now. So everybody in Chicago wanted him to start game one. Matt Nagy stuck with his way. said, nope, Andy Dalton's my guy. We're running my system, and his system is more the Kansas City Chiefs-style system where you have to have an O-line up front that can block five on five. Well, he kept trying to do that, and it wasn't working uh, with Andy Dalton. Unfortunately, Andy Dalton got hurt against the Bengals. Uh, had a nice drive in, in that game. Uh, gets hurt, so Justin Fields comes in, helps win that game, and then goes to uh, Cleveland, and they try to run the the uh, Kansas City system, just try to wide-open passing game. They get sacked nine times. Fortunately, Justin Fields didn't get hurt, but that week after that, um, Matt Nagy gave up the play calling to Bill Lazor, and is now it looks like a completely different offense. To me, what they've done is now they're going to let this young man grow in the NFL. They're not throwing the kitchen sink at him, that high-octane very difficult to understand and learn Andy Reid offense. Seems like to me what you guys saw yesterday is a little more of a run game, heavy personnel, let him throw the ball when he needs to, try to give him more protection in the pocket because everybody knows a young quarterback's going to hold on the ball a little bit longer. And they did that last week against the Lions. I think he had five passes for over 22 or 23 yards, something like that. Well, yesterday was a little bit different game plan. I think they knew they needed to run the ball to win the game. But I think you saw what Justin Fields can be. Yes, he's a little, he can be dangerous out in the open field, but I was just did an interview earlier on the radio and we were talking about those being learning experience, the ones where Abram came up and just popped him and he tried to spin. Yeah. I think he's going to learn now in the NFL. These guys are faster. These guys are great athletes. They're bigger. It's going to hurt more. These Monday mornings when I wake up, I'm going to be a little more sore. So I think he's going to learn how to play that quarterback position, hopefully more like a Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson will get out of the pocket. He'll scramble. But what does he do? He gets down. You know, he doesn't take the big hit, and hopefully Justin Fields can learn that. But I do think here in Chicago we have something special. He's got some great arm talent. And I see, too, it's, you know, it's just a bit, you see it on TV, the TV copy. He doesn't seem wide-eyed. He doesn't seem like the moment's too big. He seems comfortable. He seems comfortable taking the play in the headset, walking the line of scrimmage, and, and doing his thing. 
He still has some stuff to learn about blitz pickup and, and, and defensive coordinators across the league, but I think here in Chicago we have somebody, and I think they're doing the right thing with the way they're implementing this or change this offense to kind of fit his skill set where it is now. Well, throwing up in the trash can after that hit is going to teach him, I, I think. Exactly. That's a learning experience, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Abram don't kill people, and I was like, oh, that's going to hurt, man. Yeah, don't mess with Jonathan Abram. I think that's, uh, yep. that's the last of the day. Uh, make him cover you because he can't, but, uh, yep. well, but don't let him hit you. Uh, right. But I, I guess the, the question, I, I agree with everything you said, and I, I love Justin Fields, and I, I love the future that they have. But we've seen him win back-to-back games in this new way you're talking about. Hey, run the ball, let him throw when he has to but you know he did that third and 12 play was one of the biggest plays of the game fired it in great throw he can do that when he has to if they need him if they if they're in a game say they're you know playing uh, i don't even know they got green bay this weekend if you've got to go score against yeah can you do it that's this that's the big question mark i think that's going to be all the talk here in chicago sports talk radio Matt Nagy's been here. I, I can't remember the exact number, but I know it's less than 20 points per game he's put up. And we brought him here to be a, you know, the the, the Andy Reid of the second generation of Andy Reid and put up points and all that stuff. And he hasn't done it. I just I, I don't know if they can. I think we're really going to have to, you know, rely on this defense. We have a pretty pretty darn good defense. I thought Sean Desai, the, the rookie coordinator, did a nice job against John Gruden. But that's going to be the big question mark. And if they have to do that. To me, they're going to have to put that max protection. You know, Big 64 running around was playing yeah. tight end. You remember him going to motion? Yeah. I think they're still going to have to do that for the Bears offensive line to make sure he's protected. But then the receiver's got to win the one-on-one battle. It's all up to uh, Allen Robinson, who was an excellent receiver, and Darnell Moody, who's coming on strong in his second year. There you go. Former Bear, you can hear him on the pre- and post-show. Awesome, awesome stuff, Patrick Manley. Follow him up on Twitter. At uh, Patrick, M-A-N-N-E-L-L-Y. We thank you so much, sir. All right, man. Great chatting with you. There you go. You too. And uh, I think the Raiders' offensive line is glad they don't have to see the Bears' defensive line anytime soon again. That was ugly, ugly, ugly for the offensive line of the Raiders. Uh, We'll get into more from that game. uh, And the Big Four coming up in just a few minutes as well. From down here, Twin Peaks and Henderson. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here, Cofield and Company on this Monday. Of course, getting ready for Monday Night Football, but it's hockey time right around the corner, Willie. Tomorrow, home opener, season opener for the Golden Knights, season opener for the NHL with the doubleheader tomorrow, the Kraken with their first ever game. A lot of excitement around this game, but maybe tempered a little bit by what is going on with Seattle not bringing their full roster here to Vegas. Somebody did not let them know it was National Kraken Day. This is an official <laughs> holiday. This is for real. National Kraken Day is today. But uh, the Kraken have placed four players on the COVID list today, giving them five total since late last week. That has been confirmed, so they're going to be very shorthanded going into their franchise debut at T-Mobile Arena against the NHL's previous expansion team. They're no longer the new kids on the block. Can you believe that uh, we're about to start Season 5? No. No. We were there through the first season? Can't believe it. I refuse You just mentioned that we are sitting in your hood. This used to be – we're sitting where it used to be desert – 
I have been here since 1972, and we are now about to start our fifth season in covering the National Hockey League in the desert. Crazy. Um, insane, for sure. Uh, remember, we remember covering the first game. Remember, we remember talking about getting the franchise, and it seems like yesterday. But, yeah, flying by. And the original plan, if you remember, was Cup and Six, right? Yeah. So they've still got two years. They've got this season and to next get, season. And we thought that might have been a little um, – a little uh, ambitious, but they're right on the brink. They've been on the brink almost every year. They've had one of the best teams in the league almost every year. This year, it'd be stunning if they don't win the division, one of the worst divisions we've ever seen in hockey Yeah, uh, outside of the Golden Knights. So uh, they should win the division. They should be one of the favorites to, to go all the way and win the Stanley Cup, and they just have to go out on the ice and do it now. Yeah, it's, and it's this is going to be an interesting season just for the fact that it's – you know, there are familiar faces over the course of the last two, three years of faces that they brought in. But when you look at the collection, like Jonathan March, I just wrote a feature on Marchesaw that moved on the wire yesterday. Um, depending on Carrier, I'm assuming that he's fine, right? They stitched him up. He'll, he'll skate. He's fine. I thought there was an update on that, but so I was okay. Over it with so the let's Raiders, just say so. if he if he if he skates, and the fact that Tuck is out for for a while, I think he has a concussion. Carrier. Yeah, from the from the from the slash. I, I just threw that out there, by the way. I I thought that I saw that. But like I said, I was at the Raiders all day. Okay, so the bottom line is, is there are seven active players that carries in concussion protocol. He's in concussion, so yeah. in reality, he'll be Marchessault will be one of six players who are on the first roster. This is a new era, and and mainly because. The face of the franchise for the first year, first four years, are, is gone. Mark Andre Fleury, who makes his Chicago Blackhawks debut on Wednesday, um, but this really is sort of has a whole different vibe this year because there are so many new faces and names that are being thrown in as to who's going to step in, who's who can be, you know, who can do this, who can do that, who can play in the bottom six. So there are. This this really has taken on a new. It's, it's it's somewhat of a whole new era of the Golden Knights, even though there are still the Mark Stone and the Max Pacioretty and Chandler Stevenson and and the guys that have been here for a few years, and of course the original Misfit line. So it is going to be different. Um, there'll be familiarity, and of course, there's a new goaltender, new sheriff in town in Robin Leonard. Yeah, and uh, Boisois, who looked really good uh, in his. And his, who doesn't speak French, uh, who's, who looked really good at his time uh, in the preseason. So I think they have a, a solid, solid backup. I think Leonard uh, is ready to take over as the number one guy. Do you have an over-under? And it would be hard to figure out, but we'd have to figure out like a certain something. Um, how many tweets every time Leonard or Le the first goal Leonard lets in and the first loss he incurred that – see – we should have kept Flurry, even if it's one nothing. Oh, absolutely! Because uh, we have seen it time and time again. And actually, Robin Leonard addressed this, by the way. And I know a lot of people um, would, you know, they didn't like that he did. But Robin Leonard said one of the issues that he has is that you know there'll be times when he faces you know thirty shots and stops all but two, and people say you suck, you're terrible, you're ruining the franchise. And he said, I'm not holding this against Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm holding against the media and some fans 
because Mark Andre Fleury would like stop two of twenty, and people would be like, "He's the greatest player of all time." Yeah, like, and that is what Robin Leonard was dealing with, and you can argue that it's not that, that is what he's dealing with, and it shouldn't matter, but it does matter to him. Like the, the reactions and the opinions and those things do matter to him. He he looks at all of them and he sees them. So, um, and he's right. He's not wrong about that. That's right. true. So you know, we'll, we we will see uh, how you know that this transition goes and how it goes with the fans, but. It all starts tomorrow. We'll have plenty more on the Golden Knights and the Kraken. Should also mention uh, Matthias Janmark also in in COVID protocol for the Golden Knights. Uh, so not just Seattle dealing with this, uh, but that game is tomorrow night. We can't wait. We're excited to be out there at T-Mobile and get you much more on that game tomorrow. But first, it's Big Five at Four time coming up here from Twin Peaks in Henderson. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.